What's up, guys? I'm David Williams, the host of the Hoopball Grizzlies podcast. The Grizz Next Gen have a phenomenal young core, and the future is looking bright in Memphis. Come listen to our show and learn more about the most exciting young team in the league. You can find me on Twitter at dwill2111, and the show and other Grizzlies news are at Hoopball Grizz. Stop by and check us out. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, if every day wasn't weirder than the last. Huh? Yeah, we're not going down that rabbit hole on today's podcast, but uh, I think everybody that hears me say these few words of just saying each day weirder than the last knows exactly what's on my mind. The, um... Boy, I was planning on coming on here and talking about Troy Daniels' dinner last night in the bubble, and then the internet happened this morning, and now I, I don't know, just have another gross pit in my stomach. But anyway, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go look up what Steven Jackson is up to right now, and then you know why I'm in a sour mood this, uh, this a.m. It is Wednesday, I think. I'm all thrown off. It's Wednesday, July 8th, 22 days from the NBA restart, and only 15 from baseball's opening day. Can we make it? Can we make it? The odds are probably against us that both are going to make it the entire way through. But who knows? Maybe we'll figure things out. Maybe we're finally... I'm. What I would like to see is by the end of this month, are people actually starting to take this thing seriously? I feel like the way that it's moved into some parts of the country that maybe didn't didn't take it seriously enough and then there were other parts like crap my area right around me here in Los Angeles that seemingly the people in charge took it seriously but the rank and file meaning regular folks like me and the people around me apparently we weren't taking it seriously enough but maybe this will do it i mean a lot of governors coming out with mask mandates and so on and so forth and hopefully Hopefully we can make it through this thing. I just, you know, every day I wake up like, please say everything is still okay. Florida's in a bad way, but hopefully they get them all into the bubble and <sighs> hopefully that'll take care of it. Golly, the positive test rate in Florida is not good right now. Close my eyes. Hope for the best. What else can I do? I have no control over what's going on uh, around the Disney properties in Orlando, but... Man, I really I really hope that, that everybody can hold this thing together. I do still want to talk about Troy Daniels' meal, and we're going to do that here in a moment, and then we're going to dive back into our NBA resumption draft board, which, for those that have been paying attention over the last couple of days, is uh, 64 players deep on our actual draft board. We left off at player number 84 yesterday, who I have to make an adjustment on as the first thing we talk about when we get into it today. This, by the way, is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation, hoop-ball.com, at hoopballfantasy on Twitter. I am your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks again to everybody that's been writing in to be a part of our different divisions here at Hoopball. 
DFS division has had some really cool new additions to it. We'll be introducing those to you when DFS Today comes back here in the next probably week and a half or so. The uh, betting division is bulking up. The sales division is bulking up. But guess what? We're still looking for the best of the best. Just because we have one or two doesn't mean we don't want one more. So hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com and get yourself in the mix. All right. So last night, NBA Twitter... What a simpler time last night compared to this morning. I joke. That's that's sarcasm. Last night, NBA Twitter was all a buzz because the first handful of teams arrived in the bubble, the Orlando bubble. They made it and started their in-room quarantines, which I admit is hard. But listen, I'll break this whole thing down piece by piece. They started their in-room quarantines with what appeared to be an actual summer camp meal. I believe it was Troy Daniels, I think, if I'm getting the uh, the player right, that he, is, he posted a picture of his meal on Twitter or Instagram, and then the world the world went nuts about how horrible it was. First of all, let's let's remember the the meal that we're talking about here. It was like was a salad some bread some cheese two bags of chips a drink i think was in there it wasn't it wasn't great looking look i'm I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it it wasn't great looking it also wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen it lacked in what appeared to be an entree although closer inspection of the picture showed that the menu the meal that was coming the little uh, place card that came with it said that there was pasta bolognese on the way which if indeed that was the case and, you know, maybe they just forgot it and hopefully Troy called down and, and actually got his entree. If all of that stuff really did show up, that's not that bad. I, I mean, I, I it boggles my mind, actually, that I'm on, that I am the, what appeared to be the minority in this discussion on the internet, which is, are we serious right now? These guys are, by all accounts, risking their lives, younger guys maybe less so, but certainly their health, to go resume an NBA season in Orlando. And we're all going crazy because Troy Daniels got some, like, chopped up pieces of watermelon and a spinach salad? That's what everybody's freaking out about right now? I mean, maybe it's one of those things where, because we're we're so tired of talking about the big picture things that we just had to focus on something smaller picture but here's my thing you know I worked in minor league baseball for a long time better part of a decade I know many folks who have worked in the minors in different uh places that maybe are not as well funded let's say as an NBA and that that's part of the discussion NBA being so well funded you figured that you know we heard about these private chefs and all that good stuff and then to show up and get this sort of clunky box meal was uh, a letdown by all accounts. But at the same time, we've all been in some fashion of a lockdown slash quarantine slash isolation slash social distance slash mask slash not dining in for about four months now. And I would be thrilled 
to have someone bring me a box lunch, even if it wasn't a good one. I will take a mediocre box lunch over having to create my own again, figure out another thing I'm making for myself, even a bad one. You know, they're, pic- they're posting pictures of like a, a slab of chicken, you know, again, pasta. It's not that bad. I posted on Twitter and I'll say it on, on the podcast as well. When I worked in minor league baseball, uh, my, my first season actually, because the pay was so low and I was at a ballpark every day, I actually ate ballpark hot dogs for two consecutive weeks. I'm not talking about weekends off here. I'm talking about because baseball plays every day. Two consecutive weeks, I ate ballpark hot dogs for dinner. I ate 14 ballpark hot dogs in a week. I ate 28 in 14 days, basically. So about 30 ballpark hot dogs in two weeks. And I'm fine. I wouldn't do it again. But if I can do that, as weak and frail as I am, and be okay, these guys can have a a kind of a sad boxed lunch. Buck up! Buck up. Someone's bringing you your food. The hard part about this is the quarantine part, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Also, it, it illuminated a few things because I don't know that we knew this was happening. Which actually makes me feel better about the prospects of the bubble working because as we talked about it, it was either yesterday or the day before. I can't remember... Yeah, you, know, you know, we've all been we've all been in pandemic mode since March 11th or you know, 8 9 days later here in California the lockdown started. I mean, we've been in pandemic mode for almost 120 days and it all feels like one very long day. So, me trying to remember which show we talked about a particular thing, there's just no hope. I have no hope, none. But either with some point within the last couple of days on this podcast, we talked about me and the general public, I believe, not really knowing the schedule build for the lead-up to the season, right? Because these players need to be quarantined before they all play together, before they even practice together, and then they're all traveling to a place where they have to be 100% sure. Because, look, here's the thing. When the players went back to their home markets and quarantined and then got tested and then had team practices... They were actually still going to a home, to an apartment or a house or whatever it was. They weren't in a bubble in their home markets. Very important thing to remember. It was more like what baseball set up where there was a little bit of an honor system there. Take the Lakers, for example. LeBron and AD, they were already probably in LA. They have houses out here. But I'm guessing some of the Lakers were you know, pockmarked across the country. And then at the beginning-ish, middle of June... They called them all back. I think it was like June 8th or something like that. Has it been that long? I don't know. Doesn't matter. So they all fly back to Los Angeles. They all get tested. They're negative before they get to go into the arena. Then they practice. But while they're in Los Angeles, no one's monitoring what they do outside of the practice. So did they get a hotel room for three weeks? Did they rent an apartment? Did they already have a place from the regular season? They moved back into where was their food coming from? Did they go to the grocery store? Did they order in? Did they pick up something at a restaurant? There, This, I think, explains why four or five facilities had to get shut down during that two-week stretch is because 
players in markets were contracting COVID because they weren't in an isolated bubble. It was as if I was a member of it of the Lakers because I live here in La- or the Clippers. I live here in Los Angeles, and I went to a practice, and then afterwards I did whatever it is I do. And 15, 20, 30, 40 other people were doing the same thing. Team, staff, whatever. So that's probably why some of these teams had to shut down their practice facilities. Because players were contracting it in these markets. So now, those players have to stay back. The ones that tested negative during that last round of testing, they get to go into the bubble. But once inside the bubble, they have to quarantine again in case... One of two things happened. This is important, by the way. I know we're talking a lot about disease stuff right now, but the NBA is getting real close, and they're trying to make this thing work. They could have had an exposure right before leaving for the bubble, meaning even if they got tested, it wouldn't show up yet. Let's say a player went to uh, IHOP. (laughs) I don't know why that's the first place that popped into my head. They went to an IHOP, and they picked up a breakfast to go, and the person waiting in line right behind them had it, sneezed, coughed, whatever, had an exposure, got tested two hours later, it's not going to show up yet. Virus hasn't had time to replicate. Body hasn't had time to create antibodies. Whatever it is they're testing for, whichever test folks are getting there, that's too quick. So then they travel, and if this person now went freely about in the bubble... While they're developing the symptoms, they could go to everybody. So these players all arrive in the bubble. They have what I believe is a 48-hour in-hotel room quarantine. I'm guessing they'll probably be tested and then kind of let out into the wild, so to speak, meaning now they'll have run-of-the-hotel mill where they have the video games and the pool tables and the pools and the private chefs and all that fun stuff. So there's a couple of days here at the front end where, and the teams are being staggered as they're rolling in, so there's no nobody crossing paths and they can disinfect buses and what have you. Uh, but we're right in the middle of that right now. Teams are showing up. Uh, I think there were five yesterday. They're probably bringing in five or six a day, if I had to guess, over between yesterday and probably the end of the week. And then by next week, you're probably going to see players just sort of roaming around their bubble. So let's hope that all of this works. There's going to be a lot of testing going on. We're coming down the chute. We did get some basketball news yesterday. Torian Prince has COVID and will not be joining the Nets in their resumption. This was a disease out, not an opt-out. Technically, he's now been uh, canceled effectively. So that's... Uh, I think we talked about that. Did we talk about that on yesterday's pod? Did that, or did that happen right afterwards? No, I think that happened right afterwards. So yeah, the Nets, who we already talked about yesterday as being unbelievably shorthanded, uh, it got even crazier. Their chart is ridiculous. Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Torian Prince, Wilson Chandler, Nick Claxton. So they got Jared Allen, who's going to be around dunking on people. Karis LeVert, he's going to just go crazy. 35 shots a night. He's like, there's, who the hell else is going to do anything? Joe Harris now, you've got to figure, is going to be doing enough. And hell, even Garrett Temple might get close enough to be fantasy relevant. Although, can they really play him 28, 30 minutes a game? Eh, I don't know. 
Ah, I don't know. They might they might steer a little younger. But you can bet that there are a handful of dudes that weren't going to be good enough before that will now. Namely, Allen, Lavert, and I think you really you strongly consider Joe Harris at this point. He was sort of bubbly for me yesterday, right on the edge. Not the bubble in Orlando, but you get my meaning. And let's pick up where we left off in terms of yesterday's list. I want to redo our last name. The last name we did on yesterday's pod before shutting her down was Malcolm Brogdon, who we're learning is now close to being symptom-free. I think they're waiting on his test to see if he can join the rest of the Pacers in Orlando quickly here. Um, If he doesn't have the full amount of time to get ramped up to his normal number of minutes, I think he's a guy you probably can't take a massive chance on. We had lifted him up into that second tier of point guards with uh, Norman Powell, Shabazz Napier, Karis LeVert, Buddy Heald, some other guards mixed in there in the early 40s because there's no Oladipo and no Jeremy Lamb. But as we're hearing, the symptoms of this, of COVID, they last a while. And I, you know, there's almost no way they could just trot him out there and play his normal allotment. So um, let's take Brogdon and let's move him down the board a little bit just to start this one, drop him back down towards at least maybe five to ten slots. I still think I'd rather have him over, uh, say, someone like a Brandon Clark or a Daniel Tice, but Will Barton, Jalen Brown, Rashawn Holmes, Marcus Smart, that grouping probably makes more sense for Brogdon than where he is right now, just given... uh, Honestly, how frightening the disease is. We just don't know what the lingering effects might be, and that's horrifying. So um, let's drop him back a few spots. I think I might still put him in front of Evan Fournier just just because. So it's not a massive jump, but it is a couple of key names now that I think I would put in front of Brogdon. Uh, last name we did on the overall board yesterday, Malcolm Brogdon, was number 84. We had just done this little Sir Jabaka, Jabari Parker, Brandon Clark grouping. So we'll pick up today at number 85, and we're going to go pretty deep into this one, guys. Not necessarily all on today's show, but uh, overall, because you're removing eight teams, and you're going to need at least 100 guys on your draft board, presumably deeper than that. But, you know, we'll get as far as we need to get here. And it's going to take a lot of names to get to that point. Because some of these dudes are going up and some of these dudes are going down. Duncan Robinson at 85. Um, I played 65 games for the Heat this year. I actually think he could be an interesting value during this resumption. If only because he probably does have the advantage of playing in most of the games. I'm not going to put him too far up the board. Because his per game action is going to depend heavily on whether or not he can pick up right where he left off. But I do believe I'd rather have him than the last couple of guys that we slotted in yesterday, which was Nerlens Noel, Al Horford, and Serge Ibaka. I would slot Duncan Robinson ahead of those guys, but behind Hassan Whiteside just because of Hassan's upside. But, you know, Serge, these guys with these these quick bench rolls that have to that have to do everything so fast, I'd rather take my chances on Robinson, who's probably going to play 30 minutes a game. Alec Burks was number 86, but most of that was with Golden State. He is off our draft board. I'm not I'm not even going to list him because I'm not drafting him. Draymond Green at 87 isn't there. Chris Dunn at 88. His team isn't there, and he's hurt, so that's a double whammy. 
Steven Adams at number 89 is the next name on the board. Um, I pause only because his season at 89 was marred by, for the first time basically in his career, some durability stuff. They they dialed his minutes back a hair this season to give Nerlens Noel a better opportunity, and Adams just wasn't fully healthy all year. But I do think he'll be relatively healthy for this. He's had plenty of time to rest up all the bumps and bruises. And with Oklahoma City, we talked about this before, they want to avoid falling into the seven hole. They're going to play, and I think they're going to play a lot. And so I would put Adams certainly in front of this last chunk of guys. And I think I'd raise him up into a group where I think guys that are going to play all eight games belong. Which isn't quite as far as, you know, the the Brogdon... Fournier, Marcus Smart, Barton grouping in that late 40s, early 50s. But once you get past Daniel Tice, you hit Brandon Clark, who's probably going to play all eight games. And then you hit this this weird cross-section of guys who are very good on a per-game basis, but probably aren't going to play, like an Eric Bledsoe or Ricky Rubio or Brooke Lopez, or guys that maybe aren't going to be as great on a per-game basis, but will probably play, like a Nerlens Noel or a Serge Ibaka, uh, excuse me, or Al Horford, guys that are probably going to get in there for all eight games. And I think with someone like Steven Adams, he falls somewhere near the top end of that group because his free throw shooting could really hurt you during a short sprint like this. But if he's really okay, and Oklahoma City does have stuff to play for, I think I'd rather have him than some of these guys who maybe you argue are are markedly better on a per-game basis, but just don't figure to play. So I'm going to slot Steven Adams in at 56 right now, and I might ultimately go higher than that, but that puts him in front of Ricky Rubio and Brooke Lopez, who I still don't think are going to play very much in this resumption campaign. But again, their per-game numbers are so good, I have to keep them in front of some of these other guys. So that shifts everybody back behind them a slot. Derek Favors at number 90. Um... He was contemplating not going because he has been banged up, but I think the Pels, they want to make their little push here. We saw Favors at the end of the season was very much a plodding top 100 type of fantasy player once Zion Williamson came around. They need him. Derek Favors defensively is an enormous, enormous change for New Orleans, so I think he'll still play his 24-25-ish minutes of ballgame, but in that range, he was basically like, I think he was number 97, pretty much, since Zion came back, somewhere in that neck of the woods. He was right inside the top 100, which means he's still going to be useful, but not that useful. That said, uh, I do think that because Horford is coming off the bench most likely, and probably only playing about 25 minutes. I think Favors can do more with his 25. Sergi Baca, similarly, might be stuck in that 22, 23, 24 range. Nerlens Noel, who we've talked about already, probably only playing 18 to 20 minutes, but he reliably does more in 20 minutes than Favors does in 24. So Derek Favors is right there in that bottom chunk. I'm going to put him in in front of Al Horford just for now. That one might flip. Serge Ibaka will almost definitely stay behind those other two guys, and that's where we'll plop those guys for now. Back to the big list. Back to the big board. Behind Derek Favors during the regular season was Jeremy Lamb. He is out. De'Aaron Fox was 92 during the regular season, 
but was roaring towards the end of the regular season. He finally was starting to look like himself. And I'm not talking about the last two months. I'm talking about the very, very end. He started to look pretty good. The last three weeks, he was averaging 23, 3, and 6 with a good field goal percent, which needs to be the case because he's not making many three-pointers. His free throw number was palatable over that stretch at 78%. Not good for a point guard, but also not dragging you down. He was number 58 in the NBA over that stretch, but if you held those numbers for an entire season, that would be hovering probably in the 45 range. And the question is, what kind of game does he bring when he comes back here? He certainly belongs in front of some of these guys on the list, but now it's our we have to figure out how far up we go. So just pick landmarks, and when we hit guys like this, and decide if I'd rather have them than the guy on the list. So what about uh, C.J. McCollum at 37 on our on our remix? Would I rather have C.J. or De'Aaron Fox? I'd rather have C.J. I'd rather have C.J. just for a consistency standpoint. But it's close. It's close. So if you look above that, it shouldn't really be an issue. Jamal Murray, Tobias Harris, Demonis Sabonis, J.V., Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, all those guys I'd rather have over De'Aaron Fox. But as you move down the list now. What about we go five, six picks behind McCollum? You're at Buddy Heald, Karis LeVert, Shavaz, Napier. Yeah, I think you're now getting into the De'Aaron Fox zone. What if you go five, six picks farther down the list? Marcus Smart, Will Barton, Jalen Brown. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox needs to be ahead of those guys. So we know the rough area where he belongs, and now the question is, how does he slide in with some of these other guys? I think he's got to go in front of Napier and Norman Powell just because of name power and the fact that he's probably going to play six to eight of these ball games. But I think he probably has to go behind Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, Miles Turner, guys like that, where you know almost exactly what they're going to do. So we're going to put De'Aaron Fox right in front of Buddy Heald. How about that? We'll just cluster our kings at 42 and then 43. Everybody moves down the board behind him, and that'll take us half an hour to do here on air. So I'll just pause the show and do it, and you guys don't have to listen this time. And that's how that goes. Yeah, paused it. And you'll never know. Back to the big board. We're having fun, aren't we? We're rolling along. This is good. This is how you do it for something weird like this. After De'Aaron Fox on the big board, Andrew Wiggins, not there. Marcus Morris with the Clippers, doesn't belong on any lists. Jared Allen, who was 95 during the regular season, but is stepping into a colossal gig right now with nobody healthy on the Brooklyn Nets and most notably no DeAndre Jordan on the Brooklyn Nets. Need to know what Jared Allen is capable of. Look at the handful of games where he was playing in the 30-something minute range and he was a beast. It was in mid-January. He went 31 minutes, 29, 31, 29, 40, 31. And over that stretch, he had 17 and 10, 5 and 10. That was a weird one. They got blown out, but he did have four blocks. 13 and 13 with a steal, 7 and 8 with uh, a block. That was the Lakers' tough matchup. 20 and 15 with a steal and four blocks. 5 and 5 with two blocks, 11 and 6 with four blocks. There's a lot to like about Jared Allen playing big minutes. He deserves to be way, way up the draft board. Way up the draft board. 
Before DeAndre Jordan became more of a thing this year, it was the De'Aaron, it was the Jared Allen show, basically through the middle of December. It was right around Christmas that DeAndre started to force his way into a few more minutes per ballgame. Jared Allen was the undisputed starting center on this team, and he was piling up top 50 numbers over that stretch, better at times. Tons of blocks, great field goal percent. It was wild. It was wild, man. This was like... All right, well, you get the picture. Point is, he does not belong down at 95, where we were just talking about him being found because of how bad he was between Christmas and when the season wrapped up, aside from basically a week in the middle of January. But he was super quiet outside of that, and that pulled him back towards the edge of the top 100. But this is a guy who is going to destroy those numbers, and it's going to force us to... Uh, move a whole bunch of guys down our board again. But let's play the same game. Would you rather have Rudy Gobert or Jared Allen? Probably still Gobert. Miles Turner or Jared Allen? Probably you still go Miles Turner. Again, there's there's that safety element to it. What about when you get to the next group of, of a couple of big men, which is like Brandon Clark, Steven Adams, Rashawn Holmes, Brooke Lopez? Yeah, I know. Jared Allen's starting to sound pretty darn good. So I'm going to put Jared Allen right before Evan Fournier, and he's now my number 50 guy on the board. And that might not even be early enough. Honest to goodness, that might not be early enough. But that's where we'll put him for now before we do our tweaks, our late tweaks, as we get after we finish up the... This first draft. Boyan Bogdanovich, next man on the big list, not there. Paul Millsap will be there, but in what role, we don't really know. Suffice to say, I think he'll probably play in seven of the eight games. You can probably go with just your normal assessment of him. He's also going to be as healthy as at any point this year prior to the first couple weeks of the season where he was actually playing pretty damn well. Millsap was good. The first month and change this year. And then he started playing dinged up. He missed a couple games here and there. He missed most of January. I don't think that he was ever quite the same after a lot of that stuff. But he was great in October and November. Are we going to get that, like, top 60, top 70 Paul Millsap? Or are we going to get the, like, top 180 Millsap that came after that point? Or is there going to be someone, something in between? Because the Nuggets do have Jeremy Grant, who, as I've mentioned before, is one of my favorite quiet producers that's stepping into a potential starting role next season, but will likely be coming off the bench here during the resumption. So what do we do with Paul Millsap? I mean, what do we do with him? He averaged 12, 6, 1.5, a, a steal, half a block. I mean, he, he's always been a guy that did a lot of stuff across the board, but in 24 and a half minutes a game, it wasn't really enough to be a big difference maker. If those minutes trend up towards 27 or 28, then he becomes pretty interesting. He does have the advantage over some of the guys near the end of our current draft board of being a likely starter, as opposed to, say, someone like a Serge Ibaka, who's almost definitely coming off the bench, Al Horford, who's probably coming off the bench. And certainly from a fantasy standpoint, if Horford's starting, you take him over Millsap, but Al in 20-something minutes off the bench. That's a pretty similar stat set to Millsap 24 minutes as a starter. So I think we found our pocket. The question now is, do you want Derek Favors or Paul Millsap? And I think for me, I'd rather have Favors. 
I think he'll be starting. He's going to get his 20 to 26 minutes fluctuating in between, depending on matchups. His defense is more important. He'll get his rebounds. There's just sort of like the quiet assumption that he'll probably get his stuff. But again, you know, you're splitting hairs a little bit here. So we're going to slot Millsap in right around the Derek Favors Al Horford contingent near the end of our list, but still above Serge Ibaka, who got such a giant bounce this year with Marcus Ole missing two months that I don't think he almost can't be under underestimated as a bench guy. He really just wasn't good at the beginning of the season. I was really close to a drop on Ibaka before Gasol got hurt. He was like 120. Wasn't good. Derek Favors or Paul Millsap? Man, if it came right down to it, I think you got to go Favors. But you could end up you could end up leaning either way. I'll give you that. So let's put Millsap in just a little bit ahead of the bottom of our list, but not by much. Next man up, Jay Crowder in Miami, who's actually decent with the Heat, which is kind of surprising. He was decent with Memphis, too. Can't shoot a lick, but he was pretty good. Uh, last 10 games of the year, Jay Crowder was number 82. In normal 9-cat, 10 points, 5.5 boards, 2 assists, 1.5 steals, half a block. Still couldn't shoot, but hit two three-pointers on bad percentages. And with the Heat sort of in that weird jumble, they don't need to play their guys all eight games. I'm sure Bam Adebayo is going to make a case to play in all eight of them. And maybe Jay Crowder will also. He's an older cat, though. So I'm going to assume Crowder's playing seven games. And I still like him more than Sergi Baca. So I'll I'll plop him in there <laughs> towards the end of this list. Honestly, I've lost track of uh, where we're at in terms of the number of these dudes. So many times I've had to move names around. But uh, Crowder's going behind Horford and in front of Ibaka. I'm just going to keep moving Serge down the list. Sorry, Serge. You weren't good when Gasol was playing. Dante DiVincenzo in Milwaukee. I actually really like him. He's number 99 during the regular season, largely as a backup role, but Milwaukee's going to be rotating their big guns in and out. And so DiVincenzo's going to have some games here where he has the third or, you know, the third option tag instead of fourth or fifth or sixth. You know, Brooke Lopez will sit out. That opens up some shots. Giannis, I'm sure, will miss a game. Middleton's going to miss some games. Bledsoe, they're going to rest their guys once they lock this thing up, even if it's for partial games. And then Dante's going to get extra run and, more importantly, extra usage. And if he was 99 with the way things were built as is, and you take away 27% of the teams, 73 is basically where he would be if we just dropped him onto our list right now. I think he goes a little bit higher than that. But not by a ton. You know, I'd still rather have a Duncan Robinson. I'd rather have Noel. I'd rather have Favors over DiVincenzo, who is going to be more of a guy where you, you kind of sit on him probably for the first two or three games of the resumption and then plug him in once Milwaukee starts rotating guys into the DNP bucket. So would I, would I just throw him behind Ibaka at this point? I think I would, if only because even though I actually think that DiVincenzo probably has a better resumption than Serge Ibaka. I do think 
you're you're not banking on all eight games out of Dante. You're probably hoping to get five good ones out of him, and then probably three, maybe even four, if you if you play it conservatively here, where he's you know the fifth fiddle and not worth using. So worth using half the time, not worth using the other half. It averages out to a decent and better than his regular season numbers, but because we're going to try to hit the roto cap, because the plotter in this eight-game sprint is not really that valuable, then some of his games we probably just throw on the shelf. And for Serge Ibaka, there actually might be a game in there where Gasol sits, and then he gets to cut loose for a night. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of upside to both of those guys. We're going to keep him at the bottom of our board for now. Luke Kennard, not there. Montrez Harrell with the Clippers was 101 during the regular season. I see no reason that his numbers should change very much. He's going to get drafted earlier than this. I don't think he needs to play all eight games, but he feels like the kind of guy that'll probably try to, and then they'll have to force him to sit one. Um, I think you move him up the board a little bit, but not a great deal. Like, maybe... Maybe right around Duncan Robinson. Like, you'd probably rather have Montrez Harrell over Nerlens Noel just because one guy's pretty much guaranteed to play 26, 28 minutes a night, and the other one is pretty much guaranteed to play 19. And Noel might end up having the better fantasy sprint here for eight games. But if Montrez doesn't have an awful free-throw shooting resumption, then he bests those guys. So let's slot him in at, I believe, that's 64 now. All right crap i've lost track doesn't matter uh he's going right behind Whiteside and right in front of duncan robinson here and you know everybody else shuffles down the board a little bit pj tucker in houston um you know he's a he's an interesting little case study because he had such a great start to the year before russell westbrook grabbed the other you know Harden and his 40% usage, and then Westbrook went his 40% usage, and everybody else had to split 20. And then Rob Covington came to town, and there was just nothing for anybody. Over the last 24 games, which was basically when the Rockets went ultra small, Tucker was number 126. So he's probably a 120, 130 range regular season guy in the Rockets' current makeup, which again, you take about a little less than a third of the teams out, he moves towards about top 100 in the in the resumption era, but that's just not useful. Again, the plotter is not a viable guy right now. Honest to goodness, I'd rather have JaVale McGee because at least there's going to be some AD rest games where you can plug JaVale in and let him go nuts for a game or two. P.J. Tucker, I wouldn't feel confident playing him in any of these games because what if he just trots out a four-rebound, one-steal performance? That's not useful. That's not useful. And then on the other side, the guy right behind him on the big board was Terrence Ross, who was actually on the way up at the time that everything shut down. Last 10 games of the regular season, Terrence Ross was inside the top 20. Last 20 games, he was inside the top 75. Obviously, that number being yanked upward by how good he was for those last you know, three-ish weeks, 22 points per game, four and a half, three-pointers. He's not getting that high. But look, here's the thing. Markel Fultz is staying behind, uh, probably will join Orlando at some point. It's a non-COVID issue. They have someone out with COVID right now. We don't know who it is. Um, and Orlando, I think, wants to play. 
They want to make sure they stay in front or get in front of Brooklyn for that seven spot, get to deal with the Raptors instead of the Bucks. T. Ross looked like he was settling in. I think that his surge did have something to do with Aaron Gordon becoming more of a pass-first power forward because Ross got to take more shots. Terrence Ross on the season took 12.3 shots per game. Over the final 20 games, he took 14.5. And and over the last 10 games, he took 15.5. Didn't I hear something about DJ Augustine being out? I might be wrong about that. Don't quote me on that one. Um, Even if he doesn't get up to the 15.5 shots a game, which feels like a pretty high number, being higher than 12.3 does feel doable. Maybe he doesn't get all the way to 14 and a half. But again, he was trending up as a top 75 type guy in this sort of new look, high octane magic offense. And it's a reason why I think most of the players in the magic are going to be undervalued going into this resumption and then probably also going into next year, depending on if this is the offense they continue to run. So I'm putting Terrence Ross a couple slots up the board. He moves in there near that same grouping where Montrez and Duncan Robinson were as guys that should play most of the games but don't have monster upside. Um, And I might even be inclined to go a tiny bit higher. But because Montrez is such a wild card with that free throw shooting, I don't I don't know that I can go too much above him again. We're going to we're going to move some of these bodies around, but I'm going to put Terrence Ross in right behind Harrell and right in front of Duncan Robinson. It's one of the best stretches he's had in a long, long time. He was doing it for, again, like 20 games here. And I think a lot of it is the magic going to that newer offense. Waxed poetically about it for so long last week, how the last 15 games they scored 100 points and their opponents scored 100 points in 14 of them. And the only one they didn't was when the magic got held to whatever it was, like 93 by the Bucks, got smoked in one game. They played a different basketball game the last month and change. And the only people that noticed it were folks that were watching the Magic every single day because who the hell watches the Magic every single day? Yeah, yeah, you answered that question for me. So Terrence Ross slots in as a pretty good number there. Lowry Markinen was the next man on the list at 104. He's not there. Daniel House was at 105. We've already talked about how... The Rockets, at this point, became a very difficult team to drop guys into. House was arguably the closest non-key player to have value for some short stretches. But look, ultimately, this is a three-man team. Harden, Westbrook, and Covington. And nobody else is going to get enough usage to do it consistently. And so in an eight-game sprint, you can't count on the plotter having enough good stuff to block off the bad. So we'll put House in front of P.J. Tucker. I don't even know why at this point. They're 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 one in the same from a fantasy standpoint, and they'll just go at the end of our list for now. We'll just go at the end of our list. By the way, if you're saying, hey, aren't you at a point now where you'd probably rather have DeMar DeRozan than some of these guys? The answer is yeah. Yeah, even though I only think he's going to play two games in the resumption I'd still rather have two games of DeMar DeRozan than eight in this instance of P.J. Tucker because of the games cap element. Because it's Roto, because it's points, you want the guys that can rack it up quick. So we can go ahead and drop him into the mix. He's going to get drafted before this point, but 
yeah, I mean, we can we can drop. We'll put Demar in at seventy one. He'll be ahead of a couple of these guys, just to get him off our wait list because it's ridiculous that he's still there. Uh, also of note is uh, Javale McGee. He's another guy I'd rather have than the last couple names on this list. I would put him behind DiVincenzo. I think the fact that he's going to be useful even in the games, if you had to play him, when Buck, when the Bucks were healthy, he would still put up okay numbers where McGee most likely won't. Uh, but JaVale has this big upside for when AD sits down. So I'd rather have him over House and P.J. Tucker also. What about Dwight Howard? No, too scary. The free throw stuff is too frightening. So our list is coming along now, wouldn't you say? Not too many more. About time to wrap this thing up. Uh, we will do... Ah, we're at 105. Hmm. Boy, we could almost put a pin in this thing right now. Yeah, you know what? That's what we're going to do. Put a pin in it right here. We're at 105 on the original board, and that has translated to far fewer than that on ours. What are we at here? 78. 78! We have wiped out 27. Wow, how about that? We wiped out 27 names. We have Jonathan Isaac on our wait list. And we're at 78 on our resumption board right now. But of course, you've, you've seen it already. As we work our way through these names, there are going to be other guys that slot in front of the guys on our list right now. For instance, the next couple names on the big board are Thomas Bryant and Mark Gasol. And they're definitely not going at the bottom of the board here. They'll be above that. No question. Dennis Schroeder at 113. He'll definitely be above some of these names on our big board. <laughs> How far above? You'll have to wait and find out. Folks, this, pro this broadcast, this podcast, this show is brought to you by our buddies over at manscaped.com. Found out yesterday that one of the codes, we have two of them, as you may recall, was not working properly. That has been fixed now. So uh, those of you that used the code BRUSKI, Got your 20% off. Those that were using the code HOOPBALL20, you might have been met with an error message. And if that was the case, let me know. That code should be operational now after talking to our buddies over at manscaped.com. And I really need your help. I really need your help, guys. I need your help. I need your help. So check them out. Manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 3.0 is their newest device. It's awesome. They've got great things there as well. They have, as we mentioned yesterday's show, deodorants and uh, lotions and boxers and socks and all sorts of cool stuff. Check it out, manscaped.com. Use either of our coupon codes, either HoopBall20 or the word Brewski for Aaron Brewski, B-R-U-S-K-I, and get your 20% off. Again, this is an enormous deal for us for so many reasons. Because we're sort of, you know, listen, we're, at the end of the day, HoopBall, we're still a startup. I know we've been out a couple of years, but that's not very long in the grand scheme of things. And so when you have an opportunity to work with a big brand, you got to blow it out of the water. And we need you guys for that. We need you. Thank you to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. I've seen the numbers ticking up on that front. Also very cool of you. Enjoy your Wednesday. Man, talking about fantasy sports cleared the brain, didn't it? Enjoy your Wednesday. If you can, keep staying healthy, keep staying safe. We'll talk at you again tomorrow. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.